You're listening to the number one wrestling podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iTunes Podcasts. This is the Baelish Wrestling Podcast with your host, James Baelish. Catch this show every Tuesday right here. While you're at it, be sure to download and share this podcast everywhere to show support. And also, make sure not to miss James's other show, Radio 412. That's Radio 4-1-2. If you have any questions for the Baelish Wrestling Podcast, be sure to email them to podcastwrestling96 at gmail.com, and he'll answer them on a future episode. And here's your host, James Baelish! Alright, alright, alright. I would like to say thank you to Loud Mind Productions for giving me such an awesome new intro for this show, The Balish Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, James Balish, and this week we're going to talk about WWE's Money in the Bank pay-per-view and how epic or unepic that episode was so let's get into things all right this week's episode like i said is about money in the bank we had braun versus bray for the universal title which uh, if i had to give it a, a scoring system out of 10 10 being the greatest match of all time i'd give it probably a four out of five uh, a four out of ten rather four out of ten because it just didn't live to its potential. If it was Braun, if it was the Fiend versus Braun Strowman for the Universal Title, then I could say something else, like a seven out of ten or an eight out of ten. But no, it was Bray Wyatt, and it just didn't live up to its potential. I understand that Bray rumors were going around that Bray wanted to put Braun over to make him look that much better. But in my opinion, just to put the character Bray Wyatt instead of The Fiend, it didn't really fit well. Because you built it up like The Fiend was getting all crazy, like he wanted to face Braun as revenge for stepping away from the Wyatt family and turning his back on the Wyatt family. But in the end, it just didn't fit well. Did not fit well whatsoever. Then you had Seth Rollins versus Drew McIntyre for the WWE title. And for that match, that match really didn't do much for Seth Rollins or Drew McIntyre, in my opinion. But but if I had to give it a scoring system, that would be a 6 out of 10. And why do I give it that much? Because the match had potential. The match had all the great movesets. The match had a story that you could follow. And it followed the story properly. The reason why it wasn't anything great, like a 8 out of 10, was because at the same time that it did have a story to follow, just the fact that there was nothing following up after that. It was just a respect match. Afterwards, Drew showed a sign of respect to Seth Rollins, something that Seth Rollins probably didn't expect. And then you had both the men's and women's Money in the Bank ladder match happening at WWE headquarters in Stamford, Connecticut. And that match was epic. That match, I have to say, giving it a scoring system, 8 out of 10. Maybe 9.5 out of 10. Because it was that epic. Literally. All in all, 
the Money in the Bank ladder matches were that epic. And it even showed what would happen if men and women were in the same room all at the same time in the cafeteria scene. Um, and it just showed how well you could do it. And there was also cameos. There was someone dressed like a Doink the Clown-esque character who are, who is rumored to be a independent wrestler, Frankie the Clown, or something like that, who showed up during the one brawl scene outside the, the elevator room. And it, it just showed the epicness of how great a match could be cinematically inside the WWE headquarters. And it, it just showed it even greater at that point. And then you also had Brother Love, who made a cameo. And Johnny Ace, John Laurinaitis, who also showed a cameo also. And then you had one idea that was pitched to Vince McMahon. And Vince turned it down for one reason. Because if you see that, that scene between AJ and Daniel Bryan inside Vince's office, you see a dinosaur head, uh, like bones of a dinosaur head on the wall. That was given to him from his son-in-law, Triple H. And Vince, when he was offered the idea of fighting in his office, he turned down the opportunity because he didn't want anybody to knock against the wall where the dinosaur bones were and destroy them because he felt that was something special to him. So he didn't want that. So they brawled a little bit to an extent in his office. They noticed him. He looked at them and told them to get out. And then they put the chairs back gently into their rightful places and then left the room and then continued to brawl into a conference room, which I think, in my opinion, I think that conference room that they brawled in was the conference room that they usually do creative meetings in for weekly shows. You get like creative ideas about what they're going to do for the next month. Um, but that's just what I think. And then it ended up on the roof. Now here comes the moment of time when they get to the roof. The first ones to get to the roof were the women's. The women's Money in the Bank was the first one to enter the roof. And it was Nia Jax and... Asuka, I think it was. Yeah, Nia Jax and Asuka ended up being the first two on the roof in the ring. And it just built from there to the point that it just really built. And then eventually Lacey Evans came in and the rest of them all came in. Except for Carmella. Carmella never entered the match past... Uh, what, what point wasn't it? I think she didn't enter the, the match again past the point in the Money in the Bank conference room, as Stephanie McMahon called it. Uh, I don't know why, but we didn't see her past that point. But regardless, um, she ended up doing this and that, that and this. Um, by the end of it all, the winner of the women's Money in the Bank match ended up being Asuka. And then came the men's money in the bank uh, somewhat at the same time. Baron Corbin was fighting, like, right before the victory. Baron Corbin was fighting off Asuka from the, from the briefcase, fighting her off, fighting her off. Then she knocked Baron Corbin off the ladder, and then she retrieved her briefcase with a white one. 
And then came the men's money in the bank match to continue. And that match continuing off was maybe a 7.5, 8 out of 10. Uh, from that point forward, everything beforehand was really epic. But this one really didn't do much. Uh, you had, what was it, Baron Corbin throwing Rey Mysterio and Aleister Black off of the, off of the roof, so to speak. Um, and nothing following up from there. Nothing. Just chucking them off. Chucking them off. And then the match be, uh, continued in the ring. Um, much beyond that, I don't know what else to say about the match. Uh, really, there's nothing really much else to say about the Money in the Bank match. Much beyond that. Uh, but then, towards the end, you had, who was it? It was, uh, AJ Styles and Baron Corbin fighting for the rights of the briefcase because they both at the same time, unhooked the briefcase and were fighting over it. In the end, AJ knocked over Baron Corbin, but oops, dropped the briefcase by accident into the hands of Otis. Therefore, technicality-wise, by technicality, the true winner of the match is Otis. He's the men's money the bank winner. All because of a technicality of dropping the briefcase into the arms of Otis. In my opinion, I think AJ should have been the one to have held on to the briefcase and hold it and be the winner. But that's just my opinion. In the end, what we got was an accidental dropping of the briefcase into the arms of Otis. Therefore, by technicalities, Otis ended up winning. Don't know how. Don't know what he's going to do because he's not really built up in a main event position the two that really were built up in the main event position was Baron Corbin and AJ Styles, especially since AJ just came back from the Buried Alive Boneyard match against Undertaker at WrestleMania. Uh, it just doesn't make sense to me. Excuse me. It doesn't make sense to me why they would give the Money in the Bank briefcase victory over to Otis. Because Otis is a tag team competitor. He's a mid-carder. Uh, unless you secretly have something planned in the works to bring him up to main event status, I really don't see what he can do with the Money in the Bank briefcase. He can, I mean, technically, technically the briefcase could be for any championship of your choice for up to one year. So with that being said, does that mean he's going to go for the tag titles with the briefcase, him and uh, Tucker? Or what's going to happen? Because you can only do so much with Otis right now. Right now, at least. If you somehow build up a story, Otis screwing over superstars in the main event settings till he finally gets pissed off and he wants to cash in and he waits till the very opportunity the wrestler is down for the count after a match previous he runs out and cashes in and then one move maybe two moves three tops one two three matches over and he leaves as the champion you could do that maybe you have Otis and Tucker cash in against the New Day for the tag titles and you have them battling it out or you have New Day versus Miz and Morrison again. Miz and Morrison ended up winning, end up winning this time. 
and then you have Otis and Tucker versus Miz and Morrison. I, I don't know. Something along the lines of that. Because in my opinion, there's really nothing you can do with Otis right now at least. With him holding the Money in the Bank briefcase. Because there's only so much you can do. Uh, as of right now at least. Um, much beyond that, y- you can't really do much. And then also before all this, before the whole Money in the Bank briefcase uh, situations. You also had... MVP versus R-Truth was originally scheduled for the event. They both made their way to the ring, but then you have Bobby Lashley come out and replace MVP in the match. So it ended up being Bobby Lashley versus R-Truth instead of MVP versus R-Truth. And in my opinion, that match really sucked. It really, really sucked in my opinion. There was no meaning for the match. And... Even before that, there was no meaning for MVP versus R-Truth. Like, what story were they building? Did they even start a promo? Did they even start a story against each other? No. MVP is brought in as an agent slash enhancement talent. So, he's brought in just to put the other guys over and make them look even better. He's like a Goldberg in a way. Someone who's bring who's brought in to make the other talents look even greater, stronger, better. While at the same time fighting to make himself look good as much as he can while putting over the other superstars. So the Bobby Lashley replacement match against R-Truth, it just didn't live up to its potential. There's no reason for Bobby Lashley to be out there and replace MVP. Uh, the match should have gone as followed, and it just didn't. So I give that match a three out of a three out of ten, and I, I, it just didn't live up to anything. Then you have Jeff Hardy versus Cesaro on the kickoff show, on the kickoff show. Like seriously, how like how dare you put Jeff on a kickoff pre-show for the pay-per-view? He should have been on the main card. Maybe the third or fourth match before the Money in the Bank. Maybe right before the WWE Championship match. But he should have been on the main card. Because Jeff Hardy's been working his ass off to get back to the WWE all this time. And what, 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 when was the last time he was in a ring? Seven months ago? Six months ago? Something like that? And he worked his entire ass off to get back to the WWE. And you only put him on the, on the pre-show? Against Cesaro? After the past Friday Night Smackdown, you had Sheamus interrupt him and almost and basically brutally attack him. And then you put him in a match against Cesaro? It makes no sense whatsoever. None. It should have been Jeff Hardy versus Sheamus on the main card of Money in the Bank. Somewhere on the main card. But it didn't. You put him on the pre-show, which made no sense whatsoever, one. And the match was short. It was, what, five, six minutes? Maybe seven? But that's just my opinion. I mean, seven minutes would have been plenty of time to tell the story of Jeff versus Sheamus. But in my, that's just my opinion, all right? I mean, I don't know where else to go from there. Uh, you had... What, 
one women's match, which was Bailey outside of the Money in the Bank. That is, you had one women's match, Bailey versus Tamina for the women's title. Um, I understand now, after last night's episode of Raw, why you didn't have Becky Lynch on the show itself. Um, but at the same time, it, it just didn't make any sense why you didn't have Becky on the show until now. Now I understand after last night's episode why you didn't have Becky on the show. It's because she's pregnant and it would be dangerous for her to wrestle while pregnant. So I understand and respect everything in her. And I wish her and Seth Rollins nothing but the best in their future endeavors as as mother and father, as soon-to-be mother and father. Um, and I wish nothing but great health on them and their child, their soon-to-be child, rather. Um, but, yeah, I understand now, going forward, why they didn't have Becky on the show. Had they had Becky... Uh, I mean, they, they, they could have also... I guess they could have also pre-taped, like, Becky then revealing that inside the briefcase was the championship belt instead of holding it off till the next night. Like, they could have had her in a non-contact physical way where she just enters the ring after the match and shows Asuka that not only did she win the, the Money in the Bank briefcase, but she won the championship that was hiding inside the briefcase the whole time. Um, but yeah, she, she could have done lots of things. But like I said, I have tremendous respect for Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins. And I wish nothing but the best for their future endeavors. Not that Seth's leaving. Seth is still with the company, as of right now at least. Um, but still, whenever that happens, I wish them nothing but the greatest in their health and their safety and their well-being. And the health and the safety and the well-being of their soon-to-be child. Um, but yeah, that's that. That was WWE Money in the Bank. Seriously. In fact, let me go on to Wikipedia and see if I covered every match. Yeah, I think I did cover every match uh, on the card. Like I said, you had Jeff Hardy versus Cesaro on the pre-show. Then you had the New Day in a fatal four-way. This was the one match that I truly didn't go over yet. It was the New Day versus the Forgotten Sons, Steve Cutler and Wesley Blake. Versus The Miz and Morrison versus Lucha House Party in a Fatal 4-Way Tag Team match for the tag titles of SmackDown. Uh, the New Day ended up winning. Now this match, I'd give it a solid 7 out of 10. 7 out of 10 right away. Because it lived up to its potential. It actually did, in my opinion. Some of you might vote differently. Some of you might say... Something like 4 out of 10, or 5 out of 10, or 3 out of 10. My opinion, it was a 7 out of 10. It just lived up to everything that it tried to build up to be. And, I mean, don't get me wrong. The build-up was shitty. The build-up was crappy. But that's just because... That's just because it just didn't have the strength to live... To build up its potential. But the match itself lived up to what it was trying to build up to. Um, the New Day ended up winning and leaving still your SmackDown Tag Champions. Uh, my opinion, I think they should have put Miz and Morrison over again, giving them back the championships. Uh, I am a huge fan of the Miz and Morrison duo. Uh, in my opinion, they are what, is, what needs to be the tag team division. 
But that's just my opinion. That's just my opinion. All right, I'm going to end tonight's episode short and to the point. This has been the Ballish Wrestling Podcast right here on Spotify, on Radio Public, on Pocket Casts, on Apple iTunes, and on the Anchor app. As Loud Mind Productions said in the very beginning, download this, share it everywhere to show support, and be and be sure, be sure to catch this show every Tuesday right here, right here, wherever you catch my show. Like I said, Pocket Cast, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Radio Public, Breaker, wherever you can find my podcast. Be sure to listen to it every Tuesday right here. And while you're at it, listen to my other show, Radio 412. That's Radio 412, where you can listen to your favorite music. All you got to do, if you want to request a song, all you got to do is email me at podcastwrestling96 at gmail.com with the subject line song request. And I will think, and no, 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 I will definitely play your favorite songs on future episodes of Radio 412. And if you have any questions regarding wrestling, whether that's AEW related, whether that's WWE related, or anything under the sun of wrestling related, and you have a question and or comment, I will read it off on a future episode of the Balsh Wrestling Podcast. All you got to do is email me at podcastwrestling96 at gmail.com. One more time, that is podcastwrestling96 at gmail.com. And I will answer and read off your questions and comments on a future episode. Again, this has been James Balish on the Balish Wrestling Podcast. Check you guys out next Tuesday on another exciting episode of the Balish Wrestling Podcast right here every Tuesday. Share my show and download it wherever you can and follow me so you can get updated on whenever I drop a new episode, a recent episode, a fresh episode of the Balish Wrestling Podcast. Good night, everyone. Have a great night and talk to you all next time.